Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to the following on podcast from TalkSport. I'm John Norman and alongside Jared Kimber looking back at day two's action at the Aegeus Bowl between England and Pakistan. You're listening to the following on podcast. Well, by now, you all know. Pakistan are completely up against it. England 583 for eight. Zach Crawley top scoring uh, following up uh, his uh, maiden test century by going past 200, 267 before he was finally dismissed and sharing a massive partnership with Joss Butler, who also reached his test best of 152. England declaring 583 for eight. And when Pakistan were forced to play out to 10 overs uh, in the evening in Southampton, well, they crumbled. Three wickets, all going the way of Jimmy Anderson, and they'll come back on day three, 24 for three. Story of the day. So, Jared, uh, day one was England's day and day two going the same way. We gave uh, Pakistan absolutely no chance at the end of day one, and that was proved to be correct. Zach Crawley, um, at one point, I actually started thinking, hang on a second, he could break Brian Lara's record today. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't going to happen, was it? Because of World Test Championship points, which maybe show you why they are a good thing if, if they are factoring in at all. Um, look, it was an incredible innings. It had that point where I think all the Pakistani players ran up and um, celebrated his, you know, how well he batted. You don't get that as often on really flat pitches. I think they thought, do you know what, to make that score on that pitch, and yeah, look, he had luck. He was still being beat, you know, playing and missing outside off stump when he was uh, approaching, you know, 197, wasn't he? Um, and, and Butler, of course, played and missed on 99 as well. But I think that actually shows perhaps how well they played at, uh, as well and the way that they took the game away from Pakistan. But it's an incredible thing. Uh, my big worry is <laughs> that, you know, following Twitter, there's, there's this idea that he's suddenly the finished article. 
Um, and uh, England have got a number three for the foreseeable future and all those sorts of things. That's where I worry for him because he's going to go through a dip. And we've already seen it with Matt Renshaw. Not to mention that the last time a really young, untested player for England did really well, he ended up in Lancashire seconds and it's just had to change counties. Um, you know, sometimes you just have to be a little bit realistic with these things. And uh, I think there was a lot of good signs there, but it's a long way to go before we know if he's a consistent test match player. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago that we were saying th- same th- things or similar things about Rory Burns. And uh, you look at the way he's gone on in the last few innings and playing against India is not going to be particularly easy. And uh, so you, you just don't know, do you? Butler as well, uh, weighing in with a century. As you say, it was... Uh, hey, why do we find it hilarious when batsmen are out for ni- 199, but um, it's, like, it's like tragedy if they're out for 99? What's your favourite... 99 out story don't say shame one my favorite 99 out story is brett uh, wow oh actually i was going to go brett jeeves but he's both 99 not out i've i've told you this one before though surely brett jeeves the australian um domestic cricketer who never made a first class hundred he was an all-rounder uh sort of like a uh, like a a very cheap version of andrew Andrew flintoff played a similar kind of way he was on on 99 and his mate tim mcdonald was batting with him who's now the assistant uh, coach of the england women's team tim mcdonald and he's batting with him, and uh, uh, Tim went out, and so Jeeves was stranded on 99, not out. Later in the same season, Brett Jeeves got to 99, not out, again batting with Tim McDonald, and Tim McDonald went out on him again, meaning that Brett Jeeves had two 99, not outs in his career and never made a first-class 100. That's my favourite 99, not out story. I remember when uh, MS Dhoni was out for 99 against uh, England a few years ago, and I think he was run out as well. That was hilarious. I think Dan Vittori might have been out for 99 against Australia as well. Yeah, I mean, I can give you my favourite 99 out anecdote, if you want. Well, not anecdote, but fact. You are statistically far more likely to go out between 100 and 105 than you are between 95 and 99. Yeah, no, I, I, I can see why. Yeah. Because you relax. Exactly. It happens all the time. And we never talk about that. And yet, you fu- how many times do batsmen go out just after they make 100? It's ridiculous. It was a bit like when Shane Watson used to uh, go past 50. You knew he'd be out soon. Mm. It's the same with football. It's, uh, football teams are most likely to concede just after they've scored a goal themselves. But Butler played well. Again, I yes. mean, I'd say that was his best innings for England. And the first time he scored a century as wicketkeeper batsman as well. So how does Ben Stokes get back into this side? Of course he does. <laughs> but... I can't quite work out what England do now. I can actually take this further for you. I think up until very recently, and I still think it's the plan within the England camp, is that Ben Folks was supposed to come back and keep for the Indian test. Uh, So unless Ollie Pope goes out of the side, I'm not sure how they even managed to do that at this point. Yeah, I agree. I think Folks will probably come back into the side as a wicketkeeper in India. So Butler's batted himself out of the glove. (laughs) That would kind of make sense. I saw someone tweeting today, when are we going to... uh, Hold our hands up and say, actually, Ed Smith is a tactical genius. Well, he's not. This Butler making runs after, what, 45 tests or whatever it has been does not make Ed Smith a tactical genius. If you give any player of his skill that sort of long run and the, and the coaching setup and the professional setup of England, you would expect him to eventually do well. And also, if, if Ed Smith was a tactical genius, Johnny Bairstow would still be on this side. I mean, they lost an incredible wicketkeeper batsman for no reason, who was probably a better gloveman than Joss Butler as well. That, and none of that takes away from Joss Butler, as we've discussed a hundred times on this podcast. He's just a player trying to get the most out of himself. Um, 
the Zach Crawley thing is interesting. They'll get a lot of credit for that, the same way that uh, back in the day, Triscothic and Vaughan got a lot of credit for their selections. I'm not sure there are that many people left to pick uh, when Zach Crawley got his chance, uh, to be fair. So um, it's interesting. The other thing is that a lot of people will say, it's just first-class record. Don't forget that when it comes to someone like Zach Crawley and, and with Butler, I would say, they've actually got a lot of other information. They've probably got a lot of information on how these guys do when the ball is above 90 miles an hour um, and all sorts of things. So there's a lot more that goes into it than, than any of those. But I, f- I find it hard to think that Ed Smith gets credit for bringing in an, a specialist number seven batsman and then eventually ruining the, the very, very good wicketkeeper batsman that they had in the team at the time moment of the day well there was a few moments today Zach Crawley reaching 200 Butler of course going past 100 moment of the day for me was the uh, Pakistani fielder's reaction we've made mention of that as uh, Crawley made his way from the field Uh, Butler overturning a, a review on 99 one thing I will say is though how different would we be looking at Sham Massoud if, if Joss Butler hadn't dropped him and then missed a stumping when he was on 45 in that first test match. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's quite interesting. He usually, he's been struggling with the ball outside of stump. That's the ball he's, he's got. And he's basically come up against Anderson, who's a genius and, and has found a new flaw within his game. I mean, that ball was incredible uh, today. I think, that's, <laughs> I think that's very fair. What I want to talk about with Butler, uh, which is, it's worth talking about, there's a couple of little things when you talk about moment of the day. For me, the moment of the day was when he went past 200 balls because he had never done that in a test match. And, you know, uh, Rangana Harath, Ishant Sharma, Dale Stain, uh, Jason Gillespie have all gone past 200 balls. It's quite a big thing for him to do that. And then he went past the most balls he'd ever faced in first-class cricket as well. And I went, yesterday I talked about I didn't think teams had bowled enough to his weakness, which is back of a length, outside or something. I went and looked at the numbers. I'm wrong. They have. He's only scoring at a run and a half and over. It's just that he's managed to not go out to those deliveries. He's played and missed a lot, to be fair, but he's managed to not go out to them, which meant that teams have had to chase him a little bit more. And once you chase him and you go to his other strengths, he's been incredible. So my moment of the day is really his 200 balls, uh, which of which I'm not sure um, England would have even thought he'd be th- that kind of batsman. They, let's be honest, England wanted him to come in and smash the ball everywhere. And most of his best innings, his 200s have been uh, have been quite slow. I mean, his, his strike rate's still around 57, 58. You know, he's closer to Alistair Cook's strike rate than he is Quinton de Cox. Uh, talking about balls faced, uh, Zach Crawley faced 393 deliveries for his 267. I had a quick look back at how many balls Dominic Sibley faced when he made 120 at Old Trafford. And it was only uh, 20 balls less than uh, what Crawley faced. <laughs> it reminded me of a little stat. I haven't got it to hand, but... You know, in the 2013-14 Ashes, uh, David Warner and Michael Carberry faced an almost identical amount of deliveries. It's just that David Warner scored about 200 runs more than Michael Carberry. So uh, it goes back to your Matt Pryor thing from yesterday. I think that there's a lot in that. Um, we, we talk about defensive batsmen, but quite often, if you are a defensive batsman in Test cricket, you, you put a target on yourself. Whereas by being that slightly more aggressive, and I don't mean aggressive in a uh, David Warner way or even in a Clinton de Kock way. I mean, if you are consistently turning over the strike in an Alistair Cook way, I think it's, uh, you know, Alistair Cook has a higher test strike rate than Alex Hales. And it's because Alistair Cook understood that the best place to play test bowlers is not at their end. Shot of the day. Zach Crawley. 
actually played it on the up drive. I, I can't remember who the bowler was. It might have been um, Shah, and uh, Nassim Shah. Uh, the ball wasn't that full, and that was a, that was a pro, that was the sort of shot you see Australian batsmen play when you know they're hitting it from above the knee roll and punching it back down the, the ground. I just thought it was a beautiful cricket shot. Um, and, and, you know, him and Butler played a couple, although Butler put, put the boundaries away, didn't he? What did he go about three hours without boundaries? It's incredible one stage. But um, for me, you know, the on the up drive, I think that's a shot when you, when a player can play that, I often think that they're a test player um, because that's a shot that is very hard to play in first-class cricket for because pitches usually aren't as good. If you can play that shot in test cricket, it makes it very hard. And But maybe I'm biased because it's a, it's a real Australian shot and, you know, that's one... That's when the uh, quality comes out. I've played one in my mm. life. Uh, I still yeah, remember I was it. waiting for it to come back to you. Uh, I think with um, <laughs> with Crawley, you're right. I mean, that was a sumptuous shot. But you know he, he can hit very strong. He's very strong down the ground. You know he's strong at mid-wicket. And then suddenly, you know, he's pulling out the sweep as well. And again, very, very strong. It, it's not necessarily one shot. It's all of the shots when it comes to him. Ball of the day. Uh, well, you may mention to, of Jimmy Anderson the ball to dismiss Sham Massoud. That was up there. Um, Joffre Archer got some bounce that we hadn't <laughs> seen. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's also worth pointing out that the Pakistan bowlers. I mean, I basically called this exactly as it would happen. I said that England would bat on; they wouldn't lose any early wickets, and they put on a big score and declare. I think the only difference between what you and I said was you didn't think they would declare. Um, but I also I, the reason I said that is because I didn't think Pakistan would bowl very well. They bowled really well this morning. I saw people going on, on Twitter suggesting that, um, uh, oh, you know, they let David Warner get a big hundred, and now they had this big partnership, and Pakistan, you know, lose their metal. It, that first session, I thought they bowled incredibly well. Yeah, the ball of the day probably goes to Jimmy Anderson, but there were some really good deliveries bowled this morning by all of their seamers. And Yassir Shah bowled some really good balls as well. Um, I, I thought Pakistan bowled way better than they did. But yeah, the, the ball to Shah Massoud was... I, I happened to be on the Cricketers' new uh, podcast at the time with David Gower, and David Gower was essentially saying that's, uh, that's about as good as it gets against a left-hander. Lol of the day. I can't think of a single lull. You I say that this... every day. No, I don't. I don't. I sometimes say <laughs> it wasn't really a lull day and then we think of something. <laughs> Some days I've got three or four. Today, the well is dry. Yeah. Oh, there was something. There was a sky lull of the day. Uh, oh, I, okay. I, okay, go on. Uh, Shane Warne was talking about Shane Warne was talking about the longest he'd ever been in the field and he said that against South Africa once he was in the field for 220 225 overs and Nasser Hussain said yeah but every time you say something like that Ricky Ponting always told me that you put VAT on all your stories and Warne was like no I'm pretty sure and he went with 225 and of course they got Benedict that's that's going to look it up and it was 205 um, and then Warren, of course, said, well, I was only 15 overs out. But I love the fact that literally that is almost that. I mean, he literally, <laughs> he, he called it so perfectly. And it is, you know, it'd be Shane Warren today at his absolute best looking at young kids bowling action. So I don't know if you watched that segment. But because we've been raining on and off, I actually watched that because I thought there's no point, you know, seeing my children. I'd seen so little cricket. And watching Shane Warren talk about young leg spinners and watching him say, Oh, play that back. I want to see that again. Some of his commentary is terrible because he doesn't follow cricket that much. He has so many agendas in everything he says. But watching him talk about young leg spinners 
it's some of the best TV um, that you will see around cricket. And I, you know, I think Sky worked out how good it was because I think they're going to do more of it as well. It was absolutely brilliant watching him, you know, in real time uh, help young leg spinners out. Um, sadly, it came uh, 25 years too late for me. Or you could follow the Monty channel because it does appear Monty Panasar is offering a free one-to-one coaching service over Zoom for just 50 quid. So not free, uh, 50 quid. Uh, on Monty channel, why do they give you weather updates from Minsk? And why do, why do they why do There's they a do, lot. There's the a lot. Day they, the other day they put the time up. Right, and it got like twelve likes, and then they tw- then they replied to their own message. Oh, I didn't know you guys would like this so much. This kind of content. It's like twelve people <laughs> liked it. Twelve people like anything. I remember once Yuvraj Singh got two thousand likes for a tweet when he didn't actually finish the tweet, and he clearly halfway through the sentence accidentally pressed send. <laughs> Why are they talking about Minsk on the Monty Channel? My yeah. favorite. How many times do you see that? Uh, Monty Channel tweet, and you, I don't know if it's just me, I just think, who's advising this guy? Do you remember when the Monty Channel started and they would he, they would tweet at lunch just a picture of a hot dog and write lunch, and then Monty would retweet it? <laughs> it's a, it's a, the, the same picture of a hot dog you put up yesterday. What are you doing? <laughs> there it's was the a, worst channel ever. There was a really bizarre uh, tweet about if somebody in Japan commits suicide by throwing themselves in front of the bullet train, then the family have to apologise on his or her behalf or something. I had forgotten that they occasionally do train <laughs> tweets. It's not even that. I don't even think that's the only Japanese twi- train. It feels like, do you remember that period where David Warner would watch nature documentaries and tweet about them, but tweet about them in that really... Uh, I, the phrase is black Twitter, which, which is where you have to know exactly what they're looking at to to, to understand what they're talking about because um, that's where it came from, black Twitter. But everyone does it. It's not just a, a, a black thing. But when, like, literally he would, all he would tweet would be, how good are turtles? Can I tell you a David Warner tweet, a thing about that? So that tweet, that how good are turtles tweet, me and my friends still talk about that tweet because it's such a ridiculous moment. When I was with St. Lucia and we're on the team bus, me and Davey would both be near the front of the bus. And we're in Barbados and we're going around the bay to that hotel. I think you know the bay I'm talking about, um, where you can go scuba diving and everywhere in Barbados. And Davey gets up off his seat, walks over, points to me and goes, really good turtles there. (laughs) All I could think about was that tweet. Anyway, he was right. I did scuba dive there. There were really good turtles there. So he's not wrong. Anyway, what were we talking about? What a great lull of the day day it's been today. I told you there was loads of lulls of today. Minsk, why? Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies. In the culinary capital of the Caribbean, there truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Minsk! Anodyne press conference moment of the day. From the sublime to the ridiculous, here's Joss Butler talking after play. Thoroughly enjoyed that partnership with Zach. Um, It's a pleasure to watch him from the other end, um, you know, unfurled a quite incredible innings there. It was a pleasure to watch. He hits the ball incredibly hard, shots all around the wicket, um, and he's a great kid to bat with. So really enjoyed it, great fun, um, and, and glad that we were able to put together a really good partnership and put us in a strong position in the game. What is going to happen tomorrow? So what's going to happen tomorrow then, Jared? Uh, between us, we got it pretty bang on. Um we were talking off air, weren't we? Will England declare what? Uh, look, Pakistan are not going to av- avoid the follow-on. You wouldn't have thought. What score would they have to make to enforce the follow-on? I think if they make under two hundred, you probably ask Jimmy, don't you? And maybe Brody. But at this point, I reckon they're just going to say, "What else are we going to do for the next six months? Let, let's let's finish this off here." If they go beyond two hundred, I think. I think it's fair enough if England bat on. I know that that won't be what Sky say. It won't be what some of the cricket <laughs> no. journalists um, uh, no, say. But realistically, I think that's fair. Um, the pitch is sort of in the middle of being... It's got a tiny bit of help for the bowlers, doesn't it? Once you get a partnership on this, I think you can make runs. And there's no reason why Pakistan's middle order can't do that. But my thinking is that there are two early wickets um, tomorrow. And if there are two early wickets, that should bring a procession of wickets, which means that England should be able to follow on if they want to. I think in general, in Test Match cricket, one in out of 20 times is enough times to have a follow-on. I think the follow-on is still used too too often. I don't think uh, if they bowl them out for 150, though, that is one of those times. I think you definitely uh, probably enforce the follow-on there. Yeah, I agree. Um, The only thing I'll say is that maybe they'll want to give Don Bess the chance to have a bowl in fourth innings um, because he's bowled so little. So say they scored 180, 190, maybe, but he's still look. an outside chance of not bowling in this game. Yeah. Yeah, he does. And Jimmy Anderson's got a good chance of going past 600. So um, in this innings, in this innings, he only needs four wickets. Anyway, that's all right. Day three, Jared, uh, thank you very much for your time. Uh, we'll look back fondly at the day that there was no lols of the day, but actually it was a classic. Um, it's been England's day. Uh, hopefully uh, you'll join us for day three, where I imagine 
uh, England will continue to dominate. We shall see. Thanks for listening to following our podcast. Subscribe and uh, listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Acast. Thanks for listening. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.